Let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the truths even that we have already meditated on this morning. The truth that we just heard, that our God is near. No matter what we're going through, no matter how far away you feel, our God is near. Thank you for the truth that we sang earlier, that the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. We thank you that our salvation is by faith alone and Christ alone. It's not by our works. For if it were, we'd all be condemned. But it's by grace. And the vilest offender, the greatest sinner among us, can be saved by the grace of God. What an encouraging truth that is. And even this morning, as we look to this passage, and we see that our God is near, our God does remember, may we be encouraged, and may you be honored this morning in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Malachi 3, 16 to 18, just a few verses. I figured since we went so long last Sunday night, this, we'd keep it short this Sunday morning. Uh, so Malachi 3, 16 to 18, the Lord remembers, the Lord remembers the righteous. I remember one time as a kid, we were at the uh, Dining Common, which you, you may not be aware of what Dining Common is, at Bob Jones University, the Dining Common is the, the, the place where all the students go to eat. So it was a Sunday, I was probably in first or second grade, I was young, and we'd, we'd, after church, we'd all head over to the dining common, and, and we'd all go up, and my family would be in the special room, and we'd all eat there. Every Sunday afternoon, we'd all eat together. And what would happen is, is all my friends would come from all their different churches. We'd all get there about the same time. And so as we're waiting outside for our families to get there, we'd go off, and we'd kind of play in the bushes. And we'd play, and then as it was time to go in, our parents would come and get us and say, hey, we're going in. And so we'd all go our separate ways. Well, this Sunday... I remember I was off, I was playing with my friends, and I look up, and my family's gone. And I start panicking, I start freaking out, I start crying. Where, where is my family? They've forgotten me, I was right here. I was lost, and my family had forgotten me. Truth is, they hadn't really forgotten me, they just assumed that someone else had gotten me, and, and so they got up there, and they realized it, and they came back, and they got, I mean, everything worked out well, but it was that, that fear in that moment that they forgot me. I'm all alone, I'm left here, I don't know what's going on, and they've forgotten me. As a, as a young man, that was terrifying. As we come to Malachi 3, 16 to 18 this morning, there's a group within Israel, those who feared the Lord, who fear that the Lord may have forgotten them. As we look through these three verses this morning, we'll see this, that the Lord regards, the Lord remembers, and the Lord rewards. He has not forgotten His own. Notice how verse 16 starts, then, then, at this moment. So as you thinking back to what's leading up to this, uh, we talked about last week how do not rob God. 
Remember, they say, in what, in what way, shall, God says, return. They say, in what way shall we return? God gives them a, an illustration to show, look, you have strayed. I have not changed. You have strayed from the covenant. I have stayed faithful. And if you will but come back, I will bless you. Just come back. Return to me. But then as you get to verse 13, Malachi reveals the heart of the people though. They, they, they're not ready to return to God. They don't want to return to God because as 13 through 15 says, this, this is God speaking, says, your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You have said, it is useless to serve God. This is, this is their feeling. This is what their actions are saying to God. You say, it is useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept his ordinances and that we have walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. The people are blaming God. God says, it's not, it's not I who've left. I have stayed. I am faithful. You have strayed. And what are they saying here? No, God, you've left. You have left us. Where are you? Where is your justice? Evilness is flourishing. They tempt God and they go free. Where are you? So as you come to verse 16, it says, Then, then those who feared the Lord. There is a remnant still. There is a remnant in Israel of those who do fear the Lord. And the brazen rebellion of their countrymen has terrified them. Because as Malachi comes and he brings this message, they're listening this remnant of faithful, this remnant of those who still fear the Lord, they hear what Malachi is saying. They understand. They see the rebellion. They feel it in their own hearts. They know that the Lord is coming and He is coming in judgment. And they weep that their countrymen cannot see this. And so then they start to fear, will we be swept away in God's wrath with the rest of the nation? Has God forgotten us, his faithful remnant? So Malachi here writes to comfort them. The Lord's not forgotten you. He sees you. He hears you. I think it's interesting to note here that, that it's those who hear the message, those who, who get the message, who understand what Malachi is saying, it's those who don't necessarily need the message. It's those who are already fearing the Lord. It's those who are already tender to God. And yet those who are in rebellion, who desperately need to hear the truth that Malachi is saying to them, it goes right over their head. They completely miss it. And so then, as we come to chapter 3, after the message has become clear that God is coming and He is coming in judgment because we, His people, have been unfaithful. Those who fear the Lord spoke to one another. There's a remnant still. Like Elijah with the 70,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal, there is still a remnant in Israel who has been faithful, who do fear the Lord. And so they speak to one another. They come together and, and they're wondering, is God going to forget us? Will we just be cast aside with the rest of them? But look at the second half of verse 16. 
or the second line here. The Lord listened and heard them. He listened and he heard them. The Lord regards his own. You may say, what's the difference between those two words, he listened and he heard? Why does it use those two words? The idea of he listened is the idea of he cares. He listens. He comes near to those who are his own. And, and as they bring this, this, this worry to him, he listens, he cares. But not only does he listen, but he hears them. He hears them. He stoops low to hear, to respond to them. He listens to what they're saying. He cares enough to, to listen, and then he stoops low and he responds. The truth here is very simple. The Lord regards his own. He has not forgotten them. Just this last Wednesday, we were in Psalm 18. And if you were here, you may remember in Psalm 18, David is bringing his, his praise to the Lord. He's looking back over his life, over the victory that God has given him against Saul and against all his enemies. And several times in that psalm, he says, God hears me. I cried out and he heard me. In fact, several times throughout psalms, that, that is repeated. David cries to the Lord, and the Lord hears him. That's what we see here in Malachi 3.16. The Lord hears his own. He hears the righteous. He regards his own. So the Lord regards them. And secondly, the Lord remembers them. Verses 3.16b through 17. So the Lord listens to them. He cares for them. He hears them. He responds to them in this way. So a book of remembrance was written before him. A book of remembrance. That phrase is only used one other time in the Old Testament, and it's in Esther 6.1. And you may remember the story. It's the night as the, the king is going to bed and he can't sleep, and so he says, read me something. And they bring him a book of remembrance. And they start reading to him those who have done good deeds for the king. And he remembers. He remembers. It's an official record. And so this book of remembrance was written before him. Here, once again, in Malachi 3, God stands as witness. You may remember in 1.14, he stands as witness. In 2.5 of Malachi, he stands in witness. He stands in witness against the unfaithful husband. He stands in witness against the, the unfaithfulness of his people. And now here in Malachi 3.6, he stands as witness of those who are faithful. It's written before him. He's the witness. He has seen this. He has witnessed their faithfulness. He has not forgotten them. He sees them and he remembers them. In fact, he has it written in an official record. I will not forget. It is official. It's down in writing. You are faithful. I know that. I see that. How comforting this had to be to these people. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord. 
those who show proper awe and respect of God, this remnant, are written down in this book of remembrance. What's interesting is in Malachi 3.5, we see the end of those who don't fear the Lord. It says, and I will come near, near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, against adulterers, against, adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and against those who turn away an alien because they do not fear me. There's an end to those who do not fear the Lord. And yet here he promises, I will remember those who do fear me. I will remember them. What comfort that must be. What encouragement to know in the, in the midst of this that God sees them. Even though their own countrymen don't see them. Even though their own countrymen may write them off and push them aside. God sees them. God remembers them. This book of remembrance is for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on His name. Those who meditate on His name. Sounds like Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And yet listen to this. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He knows. He remembers. He sees. What hope this is. What encouragement that in the midst of a wicked generation, they have planted themselves on the Lord and on His promises. And the Lord knows the way of the righteous. He does not forget His own. I love the tender language of verse 17. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. They shall be mine. The tender language here stands in stark contrast to the rest of the book. They will be mine. I will take possession of them. I will care for them. I will love them. They are mine. What I find interesting is that he uses the same name as he uses the rest of the book, though. He says, says the Lord of hosts. Says the Lord of hosts. The Lord of angel armies. The God of power. That's a truth that is so comforting to those who are his own. To those who he does remember. Because he is a powerful God. He is able to come to our defense. He is able to remember us, to defend us. And yet that same truth is terrifying to those who do not fear the Lord. Because this same God in power who will come to the defense of those who are faithful will come in judgment to those who are unfaithful, to those who do not fear the Lord. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I make them my jewels and I will spare them. On the day that I make them my jewels. There is a coming day, as he promised, when he will appear. 
and he will make them his jewels. I want you to turn with me really quickly to Exodus 19. Exodus 19. I'm actually going to start in verse 1. You may remember here in Malachi, a lot of the time, the Malachi is referring back to the Sinai covenant, to the covenant God made with his people there, where there's blessings and there's cursings. And I want you to listen to the language used here in the first five verses of, of Exodus 19. In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land, Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they had departed from Rephaim and came to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure. Notice the language he uses there. You will be a special treasure. To me, above all people, for all the earth is mine. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all the words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. But I want you to take notice of that phrase in, in verse 5. You will be, then you shall be a special treasure to me. Now turn back to Malachi. Malachi 3, and notice what he says here. These people, those who fear the Lord, shall be mine on that day that I make them my jewels. On that day that I make them my special treasure. I have not forgotten you, and I have not forgotten the promise I made. I am still going to do this. I am still going to make you my jewels, my special treasure, and I will spare them from the judgment that is coming upon those who who do not fear the Lord. I will spare you as a man spares his own son who serves him. And I ask you this morning, how does a man spare his own son? And the answer is vigorously. Vigorously. There is nothing that could stop me from defending my own family, my own children. There is nothing that could get in my way. And so this God, the Lord of hosts, God all-powerful says, I will spare them. They will be mine. They will be my special treasure. And nothing can stop me. I will spare them as a man spares his own son. Again, looking back to God's role as father of his people that's, that's been mentioned all throughout the book of Malachi. It's been a theme. You are my people. I am your father. I care for you. I love you. And here, I will spare you. I will not forget you. So the Lord regards them. He hears them. The Lord remembers them. He will not forget them. And the Lord rewards. Then, on that day, on the day that I make them my jewels, on the day that I I spare them, then on that day, you shall again discern 
between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. Verse 18 is an answer to the question that they've raised here in chapter 3. At the end of chapter 2 and into chapter 3. Where is the justice of God? You say you're just. Where is it? I look around and I see wickedness flourishing. I see people cursing God and nothing happens. Where's your justice, God? In verse 18, he says, it's coming. There will be a day when you will be able to say, I see it. You will see the judgment of God and you will see the mercy of God. You shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. It will be very clear. You've accused me of not being just, but there is coming a day when the justice of God will be evident. When His justice will be swift and His mercy will be sweet. And you'll be able to judge between the righteous and the wicked. Between the one who who serves God, those who fear God, and those who do not serve God, those who do not fear God. That day is coming. That day is coming. This whole section goes back to what he says at verse 6. I am the Lord, I do not change. I am the Lord and I do not change. I still remember you. I still remember my people. I still remember my covenant. And I will reward those who fear me. And it won't be a good reward. But those who do not fear me, they will also get what is coming. The justice of God. The encouragement of these three verses is this. The Lord remembers the righteous. He has not forgotten. He remembers his own. Several points of application for us this morning. First, remain faithful. Remain faithful. There are times in life where it feels like the Lord has forgotten. One of the things I love about the Psalms, we're working through the Psalms on Wednesday night, is, is how honest, how raw it feels. Because many of the things that David puts so poetically are things that I feel in my heart sometimes. And yet we must remember that the Lord has not forgotten us. At the end of many of those psalms, David comes to the end and he, 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 he finds encouragement. He starts with a question, but his answer always returns to the faithfulness, the goodness, the power of God. Because the Lord remembers His own. So we must remain faithful. We must remain faithful regardless of what we are going through. Remain faithful. Continue to meditate on God's Word. Notice what verse 16 says. A book of remembrance was written before Him for those who fear the Lord. And how does it describe them who meditate on Him? Who meditate on His name. Let us meditate on the Word of God on who He is, on the truth that He has given us, on the truth. Let us meditate on the Word of God. Let us go and make disciples do the work that He has called us to. Let us remain faithful, regardless of how we feel, because God does not change. And He remembers us. 
Secondly, let us encourage one another with these truths. Notice verse 16, how it begins. Those who feared the Lord, what did they do? They spoke to one another. They came together. I don't know what they spoke, but based on on God's gracious, tender response to them, I don't think they were accusing God. They spoke to one another. Let us speak to one another. Let us encourage one another with these truths that God hears and God remembers. There are many of us who at different times go through different valleys. And there's sometimes when there's someone over here who is so low and they're struggling so much with, with, with the fact that, does God love me? Where is He? Why? And at the same time, there may be someone over here who's just, God is blessing them and they're, they are just basking in the truths of who God is. And they can come alongside and they can speak to that one and they can encourage them. And they can say, I've been there. I've seen that God is faithful. God is good. God has not forgotten you. Trust Him. So remain faithful. Encourage one another. And then look forward in hope. That's what God calls them to in verse 18. To look forward in hope. He is coming. You may look around now and you may not see God's justice. In your limited perspective, you may wonder, where is God? What is going on? Things are chaotic. The world is falling apart. But there is coming a day when the justice of God will be clear. And those who fear the Lord and those who do not fear the Lord will be evident to all. So in the midst of your struggle today, look forward and hope to that day. Know that He is coming. Know that justice will be served and the righteous will be rewarded. He is coming. So remain faithful. Encourage one another. Look forward in hope. And remember this truth that the Lord remembers the righteous.